You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's episode of the Locked On Youth Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, I am joined by good friend of the program, Cole Bagley. Yes, that's right. Big Daddy, a.k.a. the king of the Daily Utah Chronicle, returns to talk about his trip to the Coliseum. He was at USC covering the game for the Chronicle, also for KSL.com, for Ute Zone, for Locked On Utes now. We're, we're just going to go ahead and throw that one in there as well, uh, just add to Cole's titles. Uh, also, we'll talk about his interview with Clark Phillips this week and and just Phillips in general and, and what an impressive uh, prospect person, whatever you want to call it, what an impressive person he is, really. And lastly, we'll finish up by talking a little bit about the Pride uniforms, uh, the U Pride uh, and uh, Arizona State upcoming game. All that on today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast for October 14th, 2021. Hello, my Utah friends and family. It is a Thursday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That's right, Locked On Utes. Your first listen every day is available wherever you get your podcasts for free. It's the best part about it. You never have to pay for Locked On Utes. Uh, today, Hanging out with my good friend Cole Bagley again. We've got a bunch of things that we want to break down tonight. Uh, I want to start out with this question. Do you feel like you fulfilled a lifelong accomplishment by attending a Chargers game with Steve Bartle? <laughs> that was the accomplishment, was just hanging out with Steve Bartle outside of <laughs> University of Utah. Man. This that is was very true. This is very true. Yeah. yeah. Steve is a but, hard man uh, to pin down. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, absolutely no. Uh, never been to an NFL game before, so uh, that was just an elect- uh, electric environment, especially at SoFi, watching uh, my favorite football team. Nothing like it. just was so much fun to be there. And, and obviously, like I said, hang out with Steve. That's on the top of the list now of things that I've been able to to do in my life. So I feel like Steve amongst Chargers fans would be a really good time. Oh yeah, no. This was a different. This was a different Steve than I've ever right. seen before. He didn't have his backpack, which I thought, <laughs> which I thought was like an automatic accessory. It's like yeah. Dora, right? Like always got to have the backpack, and uh, he didn't have that. So that I think that that's why he was able to just kind of relax, have a good time. He was hugging random strangers, yeah. high five and cheering. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Oh, and people. yeah, and then we ran into. Uh, um, Cam Rising, Rising. brother. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was funny because we're like leaving the game, and I don't know if you saw the picture, but Tyson has got a hat on, some glasses, longer hair, beard. And we're walking by, and all I hear is, Is that Rising? And I look back and I'm like, Who are you talking about? And he's like, Tyson Rising. He's right there. And, and Rising goes, Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Holy cow. How would he pick him out of a crowd? But no, we caught up with Tyson, and that was super cool. He, uh, he loves his brother and is very excited about the success that that uh, Cam had and is having this season, and just wants that kid to to get all the respect he deserves. So, no, that was a, that was definitely a highlight as well being at that game. 
Sophia stands up to the hype? Oh, 100%. It is just a artistic majesty. I mean, it is just an incredible venue. You know, they, they pack so many fans in there. The, the way it's set up, it's huge. I mean, it's like a campus. It's not just like a, you know, a little structure like Rice Eccles. It is this massive campus um, and just really, really well done and totally lives up to the hype. I mean, there were a couple third downs and especially that last play where Baker just tossed it all the way downfield to try and, you know, win the game where I could literally feel my insides, like my stomach, like shaking because it was so loud. But it definitely lives up to the hype. That's awesome, man. That one's definitely on my to-do list at some point in time, as it should be for uh, for every Utah fan, I feel like. Um, but let's talk the, the reason that you were there, primarily the Utah-USC game. I want to get a feel for what the vibe was like in the stadium because watching it felt like the USC crowd and the USC football team was never really engaged in that game. How did you – um, you know, how would you describe it? And, and did you feel the same way being there actually in the stadium? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've never been to the Coliseum before. And so it's a, it's a gorgeous venue. Very well done. I mean, it's, it's been there for quite a while, but, um, it definitely holds its own. I think it's one of the, the premier venues in college football. Um, but I would definitely agree the, the USC fans, I mean, it sits roughly, I believe about 76,000. And they, they clocked about 55,000 fans there, but I don't know if they really had that many, you know, uh, butts and seats and it definitely just never felt like the crowd got into it. Um, I mean, Utah took a pretty early lead, um, and didn't look back. And so USC never really had a reason to get into the game. And then they were clear. I mean, a lot of fans cleared out even early on in the third quarter. Um, and then fourth quarter, it was pretty dang empty. I was, I was down on the field for the last five minutes and it was only Utah fans that were remaining. So yeah, I mean, USC, and, and I was actually asking this question to a couple, um, a couple of the other beat writers and I was saying, man, I've watched quite a few USC football games on TV. It always seems like a rocking crowd and you know, what's going on. And they're like, it's their record. It's the fact that they're, you know, they don't have a, a true head coach. It's an interim head coach. They're not doing very well. They've, They've been beaten pretty bad here twice now. And um, so I think it's just an off season for USC, but the Utes took full advantage and, and walked away with a, with a W. What was the thing that most impressed you coming away from that game? I would say just the composure. I mean, I was impressed already that the fact that they walked out onto that field after everything they've gone through, not even just over the last couple of weeks, but over, you know, the last a uh, couple months and even, you know, last year with, with Ty passing, Aaron passing, you know, kind of an underwhelming start to the season, but just to come out the way that they did to, to, for the offense to just be let loose, to see a couple new weapons, you know, for, for rising really to come into his own and to, to really go toe to toe with, with Slovis. I mean, Slovis had more yards, but, but Cam was just fantastic went toe to toe, went for over 300 yards to see Devon Bailey finally have a good game. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of talk about him. So I would just say overall the, com the composure and the, the, the Utah team that we saw. And, and I, and I know that, you know, you and I had kind of heard a lot in fall camp about this is a good team. This is a potential PAC 12 championship team. This is maybe a team that can, that can push the boundary. I think we find awesome. Yeah, I think we did too. And I think the biggest thing for me, just 
watching that game and and wanting to really get on Twitter afterwards and take a victory lap and be like, hey, everybody who you know talked down on me for my evaluation of this squad, that's why I was so high on him. Um, who would you say was your offensive or and defensive MVPs? Uh, you gotta go with Thick Boy Seven <laughs> on that offensive MVP. I mean, not only just you know the fact for you know and, and three hundred eight twenty two of twenty eight. Um, which was, you know, better than, than Slovis. Not the Slovis did throw almost 30 more passes, but uh, rising was fantastic through the air. And then just his, his leadership, you could see it out on the field, the way he was confident on his own. That was incredible. So rising hands down. And I believe he was the offensive player of the week for the PAC 12 as well. And then defensively, I don't know, that's, that's kind of tough. I think there was a couple of guys that really stood out. I mean, Clark Phillips just did a fantastic job. Um, you know, he was stuck out on an island with um, with Drake London. And while London was able to to, to have a, a pretty solid game, I think you actually saw uh, he he had more yards than, than his seasonal average. Um, you know, he only put in one touchdown and he went relatively um, – was relatively quiet in the second half. And I think that was really important. Um, it was a fairly close game in the first half, but then the Utes just ran away with it. And then as well, you know, Tafua was great. He got, you know, he got in the back – field a couple times he had um, a lot of team in total tackles with 10 six were solo um, and then as always Devin Lloyd's just going to be he's just going to do what Devin Lloyd does best um, so defensively it was more of a group effort I'd say but if I had to pick one Clark Phillips just really impressed me and that's a freshman technically it's his second year but he only had a couple games last season that's a freshman that's being asked to be it's being asked um, to defend Drake London out on the on an island and I'd have to say he did a pretty dang good job yeah, I agree with you. It was an impressive effort. And and when you look at London's stats, he averages 10 catches, 140 yards a game, typically uh, five TD receptions on the season. So, like, you think, well, okay, did he really have that, you know, that bad of a game or, or that's quite of a game? But really, when you were watching, it felt like Clark Phillips was there locking him down, keeping him in front of him. He had the one hurdle, really, where he got loose and made a big play, but he wasn't the massive factor. Now, he did have 16 catches, and the Utes gave up 400 yards uh, you know, of, of passing offense. Sorry, of passing to the offense, I should say. Uh, but, you know, it yeah. didn't really have a huge impact on the game because they held tough uh, when they needed to. They got stops when they needed to. And, and for such a wild disparity in terms of yardage and things like that, like it wasn't really that close of a game. Um, you know, the the touchdown late was just kind of meh, whatever. Um, but I thought, you know, I, I agree with you. It was a very good, solid group effort from the defensive side of the football. I want to talk a little bit more about Clark Phillips because I know you spoke to him after, uh, after practice this week. So we'll do that on the other side. In the meantime, Cole, I don't think that you have the same problem that I do uh, being abnormally sweaty. Am I correct in that one? Uh, you'd be surprised, but go well, ahead. <laughs> here's the deal. If it's something you've ever had to worry about, you know, you and I are both in hoodies tonight. Uh, if if you've ever been afraid to wear maybe that chartreuse uh, collared shirt that you absolutely adore or maybe a nice lavender, whatever your color is, uh, because you sweat too much, sweat blocker the wipes for you. They're doctor created, doctor recommended. They work for up to seven days per use. All you have to do is wipe once before you go to bed, and then for the next seven days you'll be dry as a bone. Uh, if sweat block does not keep you dry, you get your money back. There's nothing better than a money back guarantee. Uh, it's been a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years, over 13,000 reviews, currently number one in Amazon's antiperspirant category. 
So you get to wear what you want to wear. It's your little secret of confidence. This is a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag, whether it's a big presentation or a hot date. Everyone can benefit. I mentioned that you know I'm a big guy. I get real sweaty. Uh, you know I get active. I get moving around and, and flapping my arms and things like that. And the worst thing in the world is if you're standing up in front of somebody or if you're presenting or even if you're podcasting and you start doing that and you've got the gross sweat under your your pits. Nobody wants to see that. Tacos, man. They get yeah. you every time. Yeah. Nobody wants to pit tacos, man. Um, <laughs> taco sweats. Everybody, everybody <laughs> suffers from the taco sweats. But you can keep it out of your pits with sweat block. That's the best part about it. Uh, it's stronger, more effective than clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning when you wake up, you wash, you go about your day without worrying about get being sweaty guaranteed so if you or someone you love is dealing with this you have to check out sweat block get it today for 20 percent off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at amazon and cvs jumping back into it here on the locked on youths podcast being joined by the big daddy the king himself cole bagley the king of the daily utah chronicle uh what's your official title there say that i'm a king just the sports editor, yeah. but I'll take it. I mean, you you call me. You, you got some big titles here on the show. That's why I keep coming back. Dude, big Daddy it, King. They're really nice to me. That's we want to keep you coming back, man. I think you've been the most regular guest that we've been able to book here, uh, and for good reason. Obviously, love getting in touch with Cole. He works hard. Uh, does a lot of good stuff covering the Utes for the Daily Utah Chronicle, KSL.com, Ute Zone. Uh, you know, you can even add contributor at Locked On Utes to that now. Look at me, look, just adding titles left and right. That's that's how kings are are created for sure. Um, I am Brian Brown. I do not have that many titles. I very rarely write at Ute Zone anymore. Uh, I try to contribute every now and then on the boards. Uh, a lot of discussion about basketball recruiting going on over there. So if you enjoy that kind of thing and want to get away from uh, the uh the 240 character limit on twitter highly recommend subscribing to ute zone there usually is a free trial or something like that over there that you can go sign up for um but uh wanted to talk a little bit about your uh your interview with clark phillips uh was it tuesday or wednesday tuesday right it was t- yeah it was tuesday the uh <clears throat> aaron Lowe's funeral was on monday so the only availability was on tuesday Right, yeah, and, and and definitely a a different kind of a week here for the Utes as uh, they kind of switched up days. Did their Monday activities on Sunday? Did their Sunday activities sort of on a Monday? Sunday at Utah is usually a rest day. I mentioned that the other day. That's kind of a rarity in college football. Um, most teams don't do that. I think a lot of it just is is winning him and his his uh, um, religious stuff, uh, religious beliefs, I should say. Um, which is part of why it's, I think, such a rarity. But in, in this state, it seems to be the norm. Um, that being said, uh, talk to me. What was your favorite thing or your favorite answer that Clark Phillips gave you from that interview? Because I know there was a lot of good stuff there from him. Well, there was there was a, a lot to kind of digest with that interview. It went about five minutes, which is pretty long for, for a, uh, a post-practice interview. Those usually go two to three. So, you know, when you're getting up to that five to six uh, – <clears throat> the communication staff kind of gives you a look and they're like, all right, wrap it up. Uh, but this one was a scrum, which means there was a whole lot of people surrounding him asking, you know, a whole lot of questions. Um, there's a lot of good stuff uh, from Clark uh, the other day. You know I mean? He, he touched on, he touched on um, Aaron's funeral, which, which was touching. I mean, I talk about this a lot with Clark and, you know, he's a young guy, um, a, fr- a freshman, um, 
but his his composure and his demeanor is just far beyond his years. Um, he just he acts more like a senior or even beyond that. So uh, just impressed with the way that he he's able to speak and and uh, express himself. Uh, but he just talked about you know the feeling was 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 beautiful at the funeral. Um, it was very important to the team to be there. They they felt like they got closure, uh, which I think was really important and. Another reason that Whittingham made it um, a priority for them to get out there um, on such short notice and, and on a Monday, you know, that's, that's a tough, that's a difficult thing to, to forfeit a Monday practice, but you know, the, the death of a teammate, a brother was important. Uh, they all went out there. He said that the burial was very nice, which um, I'm not sure if you saw, but they did bury Aaron right next to, to Ty Jordan, which I think is very touching. Um, the two were just really good buddies, you know, played high school ball and uh, you know, we're on the same team. So that was, that was uh, touching to see that. Um, and then, you know, Clark uh, kind of switched gears a little bit, talked about his performance against USC. Um, and I think the one that, that really stood out, at least the one that got uh, a lot of attention on Twitter, um, Clark said, you know, he was, he was responding to what it meant to him for Coach Whittingham to talk so highly about him being placed out on that island against Drake London. Um, you know, he just said it means the most coming from Coach Whittingham, uh, who's seen a lot of great corners, a lot of great DBs, for him to trust me on that island early on in my career. It's really special, and I just want to keep building on it. Um, and then he, he kind of backed that up a little bit with, he felt like he had a great performance. Coach Whittingham said he had a great performance, but he still is, is in the film room with, with coach Shaw, uh, critiquing himself, watching every single clip, you know, not just, not just the things he did poorly, but every single clip, which I think is very telling of his work ethic, um, and his, just the, the mindset that he has, um, and then he, he, he did speak about, uh, ASU, you know, they're excited. They're going to be with that tied up, uh, but they treat it like every single week he said, and they're just, they're simply focused on being one and oh this week, which I, I like that mindset, you know, instead of thinking about, oh, we could be four and two and we, and we could be three and oh in the Pac-12, it's no, we need to be one and oh this week, we need to focus primarily on this team, we're not worried about what happened last week, we're not worried about what's happening and who we're facing next week, it's ASU this week, and that's what they're focused on, so uh, um, a lot of good stuff from Clark, we have with him, I think he just continues to impress with I mean, he's just a kid. He's just a, a freshman. And, and there's, there's some other freshmen that you talk to and you're like, all right, you, you don't have a lot of experience. So this is a little bit of a difficult, uh, interview. You're not giving me a whole lot, but with Clark, you're just so impressed with the kid. Yeah, he is incredibly impressive. There's no doubt about that. I think he has a presence and a command and he, he doesn't necessarily like speak to you or, uh, just kind of like answer questions. It's almost like he's – so his, his dad's a preacher. It's almost kind of like he he preaches at you in that regards too. I, I think what he's mastered is that art of conveying energy and, and being charismatic and everything like that. And I'm sure that when you have a father that leads a congregation, that that's, you know, for one, you witness it a lot. For two, you're forced to do it a lot as a young kid as well. And so it, it does seem to come naturally to him. Another thing that seems to come naturally to him out there as well is, is being a leader. You know, uh, and you look at this team, how it's constructed – uh, how important do you think is it for Clark Phillips to really kind of be the leader in the secondary out there right now? I think it's, it's everything to the, to the secondary, you know, they've, they've dealt with a couple of injuries, you know, McKinney was, was a little bit banged up and, and he's one of your more veteran guys. Uh, but I think just the experience that Clark brings with what they went through last year with the COVID season. And then, I mean, this is just a stellar player, a guy that was originally committed to Ohio state. He de- 
from Utah. So, you know, he brings it every single, brings a lot of talent. And one of his, every single down, he's always aware of where the football is, which is, which is translated to interceptions to, to multiple pick sixes in his career. And so I just think he's, I would see him as almost a field general on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and just his, his individual talent. Obviously we saw that against Drake London. This kid just plays, like I said before, he just plays well above his, um, his freshman class. You know I mean? It's, it might say that on the chart, but he plays just far and above um, that, that, that young age, that, that youthfulness. Uh, where does Clark Phillips rank on your favorite youths roster currently? Like him as an like, where does he rank as far as um, my favorite like secondary player or overall or? Yes, all of the above, or maybe even current youths. Where would you rank him? Ooh. Well, man, that's tough because there's just so many fun players on this team. I mean, number one's got to be Devin Lloyd. Yeah. You can't you don't you don't beat that talent wise, leadership wise. He's got everything. Devin is sneaky funny too. Like that's the thing about him. He is. When you get him off the microphone and kind of goofing around with his teammates, he's got a funny sense of humor. Totally. But he he switches gears in interviews, which is interesting. But occasionally you see that side. Um, Almost Brayden Covey's. Yeah, Brayden Covey's up there. I mean, I would say he's in the top ten. Clark Phillips. I. I don't know that he's necessarily broken the top five yet just because he hasn't been around as long as some of these guys. I mean, Covey's been with the team for like a decade. So he's, he's definitely got to be up there. And then Nephi Sewell is a, I mean, I don't know. It's tough. I'm, I'm usually actually a secondary guy. I mean, guys like Julian Blackman, Jalen Johnson, Terrell Burgess, those are some of my all time favorite youths. Um, so I don't know. It's tough. Maybe in, maybe in two or three seasons he'll be in that top five, top three. But right now, I definitely say top ten because he he is magnificent to watch, and I I love a good secondary, I love a good corner safety. So he's definitely up there. I think as far as freshman corners, and and it's very important to dignify that he is still a freshman and very much um, the first five games. I just don't really feel like you can count him under COVID. Now they give him a little leg up, but. In terms of freshman corners, I don't know that I've seen one be as impactful in terms of being able to read balls and convert uh, interceptions into big plays. You know, he's already taken two back for tutties. Uh, so I think from that standpoint, that's the real exciting part about Clark Phillips. You know, Jalen Johnson was a cover, was a blanket. You know, he was going to cover whatever it was thrown on his side. He was going to shut him down. He was going to be physical. He was going to be very dominant over there. And Clark is a little sneaky. You know, he doesn't have quite the same – uh, length or height that Jalen does, but this is maybe something else that you can kind of talk about. Like in person, seeing Clark, he is yoked. Like he is just built different. Like his frame and everything like that. He's just got a different size, even for a guy who's like five ten, five eleven. Yeah, no, he what he takes off. You see beneath that. You are just. Like, I mean, it's it's almost like Devin Lloyd. Def, you you get to practice and they pull off their pads and you just are like, and they've got half cut shirts and you're like, all right, you're you're. You are showing off what your structure and your build because you can. You wouldn't see me doing that out there. But yeah, you you get up close to these guys and it's just like, all right, you would probably beat up beat me up pretty easily. So no, he he definitely, again, despite his youth and you know, he's his shorter frame, he's strong. He's definitely strong. And uh, like you said, good build for sure. Speaking of good builds, uh, Rock Auto is the place to go in order to make sure that your car is a good build. 
With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local auto uh, parts store to keep up with all the parts that you need. Uh, and you don't want to deal with whatever surly parts person is behind the counter there judging you from behind that giant book of parts numbers. Uh, Cole, are you an auto Are you an auto guy? Are you a mechanic at all? Uh, maybe an amateur mechanic? I wish, but my dad didn't teach me anything growing up, so See, I got to pay for it all the time. And, and that's the worst part about it, right? When you have to get a repair and, and you get that final bill and you're just like, oh, you know, and, and for guys like us where we're writing for a living or, or podcasting, I mean, I guess technically this isn't my living anymore, um, but where you're trying to scrap for everything, like every dollar counts. And so that's why you need to go save your time and your money using Rock Auto. You can choose, uh, you can get up to 30, 50, even 100% uh, off the same parts from your local auto parts store, uh, you know, family-owned business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet, which is really great and handy if you've ever spilled Hector's hot sauce on the carpet of your floor. Um, maybe once, twice, three times too many. Uh, sometimes you just the hot sauce is so good you can't wait till you get home to sample it. But that's where Rock Auto comes in for you. They got your uh, got your back with with everything that you can need, uh, including mats. Uh, so go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their "How did you hear about us?" box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's RockAuto.com. Football is back and better than ever, and all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, wrapping things up here with my main man, Cole Bagley, a.k.a. the king of the Daily Utah Chronicle, a.k.a. Big Daddy, uh, a.k.a. the uh, Stylin and Wylin. Um, I want to say Hawaiian, but you're not Hawaiian. That's – I got to – I got to – we'll, we'll get it better next time. So we got two out of three uh, for this episode. But How long is this list going to get? I mean, as long as you want it to go, usually, usually I'm pretty good for, you know, four or five names. Um, uh, but we'll see how things go. Um, I'm, I'm running out of steam this week. It's been a long week. Wanted to break down uh, Arizona State. So have you had a chance to kind of look things over? Yes, but I have to ask you a question before we get into that. Let's do it. I'm a uniform junkie. How do you feel about these you proud unis? Well, so I, I like I'm not. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble here. Um, I think a lot of the things that people dislike about uniforms, uh, some of it are technical, right? So like things that you can and can't do with an actual uniform because so much of it is manufactured uh, in a way in a method to where you can't always print and or sublimate the designs. Um, that being said, I think this is a really clean look, and I don't understand why people are so. 
um, down on the black jerseys. I think there is a segment of the fan base that thinks that Utah can do what Alabama and some of those other schools, Notre Dame, et cetera, these, these teams, these programs with a really, really long history where they can go with just one look and that's their look. And you're not USC. Like, you haven't been winning games since the 50s. Now, Utah's got a good history. Like, I'm not trying to argue that. But there was, like, a 30-year stretch from 1964 to, uh, I believe it was 1991 when they went to the Weiser Lock Copper Bowl. It's either 91 or 92. Anyways, there's a roughly 28-year stretch where you didn't even see a bowl game. Uh, and in that time, the uniforms changed, like, 500 times. So... <laughs> Like, there's not really a consistency to it. So I would much rather embrace, you know, having a clean look that you can do uh, a lot of different styles with. And I really like this white, black, white look. And I know that people are going to say, well, black's not a school color. And and then everybody counters with, well, technically it's in the style book and blah, blah, blah. I just think it's a great look. And I love what they've done with the U Proud uh, designs and everything like that. It'd be cool to see, like, a full, full on uniform with it. I just don't know how, like, plausible that is especially right now with all the supply chain issues so that's my take what do you think about it no i i like what you said i mean to be honest i don't know that i really want to be one of those schools like usc and alabama where it's like we have two looks and that's about it like that's 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 cool that's good for you that you've reached that that level but i'm just like you know what to expect it's the same thing every week I don't, I have never looked at Alabama and been like, man, that is clean, you know, like, and there's some respect with it where it's like, all right, they are the program. They know what they're doing, but I don't know. I, I love that Utah does so much. I mean, you've got the, you've got the U proud, which is awesome that we are able to embrace, you know, the, the tribal heritage here, you know, in the state of Utah. I love that so much. I, I love what they've done with that design. I think the black Jersey looks fantastic, but uh, kind of what I was saying. I love that there's so many different ways we can go drum and feather. We can go interlocking you, you can go block, you can go, uh, you proud. I think it's fun to mix it up, you know, to see every week. I mean, youth equipment does a great job, you know, working with, with what they do and, and putting together these uniforms on a weekly basis. For me, I think it's fun to see every week. All right. What is it? You know, what's it going to be this week? What's the, what's the helmet going to look like? What's the Jersey, you know, and, and pants combo going to look like. So, I'm a big fan. I know there's been some uh, not so happy reactions on Twitter, but I I love how much variety we get with Utah, and I hope that it's something that we always see. I do too, and I think it's it's fun for the kids. Um, I do understand where people are coming from, where you want a traditional one look, and I do understand why people want red to be the primary color. Uh, but I think, I mean, I really think the players love it. That that's the other part of it too is is you look at like especially if you look at kind of like the haves and the haves nots like BYU is finally getting around to the point to where they have three or four different uniform combinations and like they haven't done a great job in my opinion of of doing it I think Utah's done a really great job of it um, but you know look people are gonna have their tastes you know and and that's the thing is I think everybody has an idea of what they like I don't know that there's ever gonna be a solution that that is just gonna fit everybody's you know i saw people that were saying that they don't like the throwbacks because of the font on the front which again i totally understand that too but it's you know it's a throwback so so it has to have a throwback feel to it um you know other than the the uh is it the 150 150th year anniversary of college football jerseys which i just those are my favorite far and away i love those 
And I know everybody thinks that it makes Utah look like Ohio State. I don't even care. It's just a clean look. Um, that being said, I, I think the Utes are going to need uh, more than just a good-looking uniform against the Arizona State Sun Devils. As you've kind of previewed them, what have you seen and, and what's been your takeaway from this team? This is going to be a really tough matchup for Utah. Um, not necessarily because of anything that's wrong with the Utes per se, but just because Arizona State is a very good football team. Um, there's a reason that they're five and one. They very well could have been six and zero. Oh. You know that was a, a close game with with BYU. If, if Algier doesn't make that ridiculous, you know, um, I don't even know how you would describe that play. But if he doesn't strip that ball away from from uh, the defender, that was about to take it back for six points. I mean, Arizona State could be looking at a six and zero record and, and a potential, you know. Uh, team that would have been maybe just on the outside of the college football playoff if they continued uh, to do what they're doing, but they're, they are very good. Um, they're very well balanced. I mean, really across the board, especially offensively, um, Jaden Daniels is going to be tough because he is one of the most, I think, versatile quarterbacks, um, definitely in the conference, if not in the country, um, he can definitely pass, uh, pretty well. Um, I was surprised at the amount of touchdowns that he's thrown. It's only four and he's got three interceptions, um, but he's passed for over 1200 yards. Um, he's run for nearly 400, which right there is that versatility. That's going to be tough. Um, but looking at it, I was also impressed with the amount of touchdowns they've scored rushing. Um, I believe they have scored 21 rushing touchdowns. They've run for almost 1,400 yards. And then on the flip side, their defense has done a really good, good job containing. I mean, in nearly every facet of the game, their the ratio is, is very heavily in favor um, with ASU. You know, they've scored 33, point, 33 points per game while only allowing 16. Um, you know, they've rushed for almost 1,400 yards while, while only allowing 900. Um, you know, they pass for um, almost 1,400 yards as well while only allowing a little over 1,000. So, they are just very well-rounded, um, but I think that that slight chink in the armor is um, the amount of yards that they've allowed passing. Um, you know, it's it's right around a thousand yards, um, and, and it is important to note. You know, while they have allowed almost nine hundred yards rushing, the net total is just uh, under seven hundred. So that total for passing over a thousand, that total for rushing not quite 700. So I think that's where you see that chink in the armor is their secondary. There's no one really back there that stands out to me. And so I think, and this is one of the emphasis, um, a major emphasis I put in my youth zone article this week is I think Cam rising has got to, to come to come into rice cycles and to put on a very similar performance that he did um, at USC. And in the, you know, the last two quarters there against San Diego state, that was something that I talked about last week and he came out, he did that and they got the victory. So I think Cam is going to be very, very, uh, pivotal in uh, the youth coming out with a victory on Saturday. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's, I think that's going to be the way it's going to be going forward is, is whatever Cam Rising can do with the football is really going to make or break this season. We saw him be uh, a little less effective against Washington State, and I thought the Washington State game plan was pretty solid against them. But really, when you look at this defense for Arizona State, you know, they're uh, either whether it's, you know, the uh, – the, the traditional statistics and the rankings were where they're at in the conference. Um, the rushing game, like you said, third in the conference right now in total yards. 
Um, they're not yet averaging as many attempts per game, however. And like you mentioned, they have 21 rushing TDs that leads the, the conference. Up until uh, earlier, it was uh, Oregon State that had been leading the way. But it's the top three teams in yards per rush are Oregon State, Arizona State, and Utah in that order. So it's going to be a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, oh, what's the phrase, the saying? Uh, uh, kind of like uh, – impenetrable force meets meets a whatever object uh this is always good podcasting when you forget something right as you're about to say it um but anyways uh somebody will tweet at me thank goodness for that um this arizona state football team is really good they're really well rounded uh i think defensively they've got some guys that are uh returning my one thought is that they are we've kind of seen it happen this season that as soon as a team kind of establishes itself that's uh, as as like the best in the conference, and I don't think it's crazy to say that Arizona State's the best in the conference right now, uh, especially coming off of wins over UCLA and Stanford. Um, once a team does that, they kind of fall apart, right? And and so you have to wonder: is this the breakthrough game for ASU, where either they show that they truly are the best team in the conference? Or does it start to catch up with them a little bit that they are kind of top dogs and they're getting all this uh, press and attention for positive things? Um, you know, the off the field the stuff aside, I think that's been surprisingly not as big a distraction. I guess my thinking is this, or my question is this: How do you see Utah getting past this this Arizona State team, and and what do you see being the keys outside of just Cam Rising playing the game that he's played? Well, defensively, it's tough. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, I mean, their yards are almost split right down the middle, um, passing and then through the air. And so I don't know that you can necessarily try to just contain one of them and hope that the other doesn't completely burn you. Um, but I think it's going to really come down to the defensive line and the linebackers. How much pressure can they put um, – on Daniels while also making sure to contain him, right? I mean, he can move the football with his legs. He was the second leading rusher last week and did uh, find the end zone with his legs um, while he was just okay passing. So, I mean, he can have an off game passing. He was only, I believe, about 175 yards, only completed 14 passes, but he rushed for 85, found the end zone, and they win by, you know, three and a half scores. So, I think it's going to come down to pressure while also making sure that you contain him. Um, Tafula's got to have another big game. You know, he's got to make sure he's getting in the backfield, but he's doing it effectively. So there's not some sort of overcommitment. And then Devin Lloyd has got, I think Devin might need to have his best game all season, which is asking a lot, right? Because he is just fantastic every single week, but I think he's going to have to, to perform at the highest level that we've seen him. Uh, make sure that, uh, you know, if any of those lanes break open, that they're not giving up um, big runs to those to that arsenal of running backs that, that the Sun Devils possess. So defensively for me, it's going to be that D-line and those linebackers just making sure that the uh, the run game doesn't get away from them. And that's a big part about it because they do it so multidimensionally, right? Like it's not just Rashad White. It's not just, uh, you know, uh, Chip Trainum. It's – it's that whole entire crew. Daniel Nata uh, or Nagata uh, does a really good job for them, uh, as well as uh, you know uh, what we've seen from Jaden Daniels. They really do use the entire roster uh, 
to get the job done. And I think it's it, it's an impressive group. And I, I do think it starts and stops a lot with the ends on the defensive side of the football for Utah. You have to have a good performance from Mika Tafua. You have to have a good performance from Xavier Carlton and Van Fillinger. And I thought both of them started to really show a much, much more reliable performance. We've seen a few gaps here and there from from Van and, and Xavier. And, and despite the fact that Van had a really, really impressive game, um, you know, against uh, uh, <clears throat> Washington State, and then kind of replicated it a little bit against USC. They used them in a different format. So it'll be interesting to see how Utah goes about trying to stop that. You know, I, I've heard people talk about maybe using a QB spy. That's not the Utah way. They're going to use a, a contain rush for all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it's it, this is going to be a battle. And I think the biggest thing is is that Utah's got to bring it on the field, and then Utah fans got to show up, be loud, be proud, and, and be active on a – uh, uh, you know, a Saturday night game where it's probably going to be a little chilly and, and you've got to make you, Arizona State feel uncomfortable because I don't know that they've really played in an environment like that. You've got to make it difficult on these guys and and maybe give Jalen De- uh, Daniels some flashbacks to his last time to Salt Lake City. Uh, any other thoughts on this matchup and, and what you see as, as these take on the Sun Devils? Well, if you look at their only loss, which was against BYU, um, it BYU seemed to let Daniels kind of go to work in the passing game and, and it paid off from, uh, from an outcome standpoint. I mean, the rushing game only netted 161 yards, which I believe is a season low for them. They only were averaging 4.9, um, you know, per attempt, um, which is, which is definitely notable. Um, you know, their, their season average is, is uh, you know up there at uh, at about five point six, so that was you know fairly well below you know less than I mean when you're getting nearly half more than halfway to a first down on every single rush, it's hard to contain a football team. Um, so I think the Utes can learn something from BYU there, um, just as far as what the production looked like. I mean, ASU it was a weird game. ASU outgained the Cougars by seventy yards, more than seventy yards. And they and the average per play was six point nine, but they they committed to stopping the run, um, which was huge because I think you know Arizona State's been good in the red zone. Um, they've they've been able to, to convert at a pretty pretty high rate. Um, you know, if you look at it, there they're twenty one for twenty six when when they're in the red zone, um, seventeen of twenty six on touchdowns, and they are pretty much going on the ground when they get into the red zone to just punch it in. So. I think Utah needs to to take some notes from from how the Cougars uh, were able to beat them, um, and this is a big one. I think the Pac-12 South champion is probably decided based off who wins um, the game on Saturday. Because, I mean, if you look at ASU's you know remaining schedule, they've got Washington State the following the following week, USC, Washington, Oregon State, and Arizona. I mean, USC could potentially you know put together a good game and and maybe you know impact the standings but if utah really wants to um kind of punch their ticket as far as a pac-12 south champion others there's there's still plenty of games to be played um but i just think if if you can beat asu and having already beaten usc um it's going to be hard to be dethroned from that point so this is a big one and and i hope i hope you know the uh, utah fans really show up um on Saturday because we've supposedly have, we've supposedly had sellouts, but 
you know, for those of us that have been there, it, and not every seat has been full, and I would love to see the stadium just packed. You and me both, my man. This That was Cole Bagley. This is the wonderful Cole Bagley. I don't even know what my tenses are right now. That's how uh, impressed I am. Thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's It's been a joy to have you, uh, especially while Jake is calling high school games tonight. So uh, at least at some point, we're going to keep doing this for a little while longer. Uh, fun to have you on for sure. And, um, you know, we'll see if we can't maybe add Sammy at some point as well, Sammy Mora, uh, another Daily Utah Chronicle alum. But uh, thanks again for joining me. Uh, that's it for today's episode of the Locked on Utes podcast. Oh, uh, plug your stuff. Sorry. I need to let you do that. Yeah, Brian, thanks so much for, for having me on. Um, I've loved every second of being on. I'm looking forward to being on on a weekly basis. Uh, excited to see how long that nickname list gets. Um, <laughs> I'll have to make sure I take note. But, um, yeah, you guys can find me uh, on Ute Zone, of course, uh, putting up a lot of, of content for those guys, lots of interviews that I'm able to to do there. Daily Utah Chronicle for a little while longer while, uh, before I graduate in December, as well as a sports intern uh, for KSL. Um, and then you, of course, can find me um, on Twitter for all those awesome interviews, those quotes. Um, I try to do my best for, for Utah fans to cover them just at Bagley underscore Cole. Um, that's where you can find all my stuff. That is the legend Cole Bagley. Uh, the ever-growing ever growing and ever-glowing list of nicknames will continue on next week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us here on the Locked on Utes podcast. As always, you can find us at Locked on Utes on Twitter. Find me at Brown Bear SLC. Find the show email account that's LockedOnUtes at gmail.com. You cannot find us on Facebook. We do not have a Facebook page, but you will soon find us on YouTube, so be sure to tune in there. Thanks again, everyone. This has been the Locked On Utes podcast for October 14th, 2021, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.